Welcome to Sing Those Covey Blues. Uh, we do have some blues. We, we have blues to sing right now. We've been eliminated from the playoffs. We lost the NLCS. We lost to a team that I think at least this year was better than us, and uh, it happens. But it is sad. We can talk about it. I was honestly expecting it. Um, if you recall, in the last episode, I called the Dodgers winning the series, and yeah, you I were you were a lot clo- you were a lot closer than I was. Was closer to the series. It just felt like after that game five, the Cubs expended every ounce of like luck and baseball gifts that we had. I mean, in one inning, they had the four things that had never happened in a row before, like the the wild pitch and then the the strikeout thrown to first base and then the hit by pitch RBI all happened within I mean it felt like all the luck had just drained out of the Cubs at that instant and now you know we went through the NLCS with everything going wrong yeah I mean that's definitely part of it and I mean at least we didn't get swept Hmm. and that was nice we found the wherewithal to win one game to win game four but uh I mean I mean, my take on it is that it felt really bad in the moment, but a few days later I'm sitting here going, we just made the championship series three years in a row. I'm, I just, I don't know how I can be angry about that. Uh, we'll get to, you know, I'll circle back around to some of the narrative stuff that's been coming out since the series ended about the Cubs and dynasties because I have things to say about that. But uh, I don't know how any baseball fan could be mad about that. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I understand where Dodgers fans have been coming from. Their team having made the LCS three out of the last five years. This final, now they're finally going to the World Series. But I mean, if you keep getting back there, you're going to get to the World Series eventually. And here the Dodgers are. I mean, that's why as a fan, you, I just, I can't be mad about that. I think Nationals fans have reason to be, like, real frustrated because it seems like baseball luck just has not been on their side. But, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'm i happy with this. Like, this is a team that's been competitive, and they're set up to continue being competitive. And, you know, whether we win one World Series or two or three or four, hardly matters at this point because we got to the mountain we got the world series we've been to three straight league championship series we get to be competitive every year and this is the most fun it's been to be a cubs fan in my entire life you know it's a team of guys we got to see come through the minor league system it's a team full of guys who we've gotten to really watch develop with the cubs and so we've gotten to become a little more attached to them uh, that's not saying that a team that's bought is worse. It's just saying that it creates a different sort of emotional attachment. I just want to echo exactly what you're saying. I don't feel upset if that makes me a bad fan, whatever. But, and I, I don't feel, I, I, going into that Los Angeles series, I was hopeful, but I really didn't feel like the Cubs were going to win it. And, you know, I, I predicted against them. 
I didn't feel like we were going to win the NLDS. They went out and won the first two games, made me feel differently about it. But this is such a great time to be a Cubs fan. How could you be upset with, you know, another NL Central championship? That's two in a row. How could we be upset with another NLDS win? That's two in a row. You know, and or three in a row. That's three in a row. And then three NLCS appearances in a row. Sure, two of them stunk. But, man, I how can you be upset with that? That's an incredible run. And that's – and we both feel like that's just the start. This – and I want to yeah. – that's the point I want to echo is that this team is set up. And I've seen a number of people say, oh, the dynasty's over, the dynasty's over, and – I look at our roster right now and I'm like, we have an MVP. We have a second in Cy Young of a year ago. We have a third in Cy Young of a year ago. We have a MVP that's like a, a bottom vote, top 10 MVP player in Rizzo. We have a gold glove shortstop. We have a gold glove first baseman. We have a gold glove catcher who is also one of the most exciting young players in the game. We have a second baseman who makes me go, holy crap, what in the world, every game. And we have an, an outfield that's almost entirely, you know, under 30. The, the entire outfield is under 30. Right, and a it couple, is, right. How, where, where in there does anybody see not an NL Central competitor or a playoff team for the next I, whew, years? I think... I think it, I think this gets back to expectations versus reality and also the sport that we're talking about. You know, because like I think that as the NBA has especially the NBA has grown in popularity and influence. I think and we're in a special historical we're in a special historical moment in the NBA where Fans who did not grow up with the 90s Bulls. I grew up with the 90s Bulls. I was a kid during that time, and I remember it. But there's a lot of fans coming in who don't remember the 90s Bulls or who weren't that interested in the NBA during the 90s Bulls or who came in after, you know, I mean, like, people who were around for the old Celtics teams or the old Lakers teams or who grew up, came of age in the night with the 90s bulls will tell you about dynasties they will tell you about dynasties and we're in a special historical moment where we have the warriors who might be the most remarkable of all those dynastic teams in the NBA's history and so we're comparing you saw like I saw we saw the stories this year first it was are the astros mlb's Version. And last year the Cubs got this treatment too. It was like, are the Cubs the Golden State Warriors of the MLB? And this right. year it was, are the Astros the Warriors? Are the Yankees the Warriors? Are the Indians the Warriors? Are the Dodgers the Warriors? And what I want to say about that is, there is no comparison. First mm -hmm. of all, nobody is that uh, just dominating in baseball. And primarily, it's hard to be that dominating in baseball. Baseball has a million little things that contribute to how those things play out. Basketball is all about... Basketball, the importance of one or two players can be magnified. In baseball, you can have Mike Trout for years 
and find a way not to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout is the best player in this sport, and that team yet again this year failed to make the playoffs mm-hmm. because baseball is a bunch of little things. It's death by a thousand cuts. It has the largest sample size season of any of the sports, 162 games. Nearly half a year, nearly half a year's worth of games. And a season that stretches for half the calendar year. And it comes so, down to a, yeah, it comes down to a lottery game too. Seven games out of 162 is a tiny sample. But yeah, that's what I mean, it boils you, down to is the ability to play and, in seven games. And we made this point with the Cubs last season. You you need only win 11 games in the postseason to be the champion. Yep. The, the, Cubs, the Cubs went, what, 11 and 7? Two uh, losses. Or we, 11 and 6. Yeah, we lost we, to the Giants. Because we won. The Dodgers. We won, the we won the NLDS in 4, NLCS in 6. So, yeah, I mean. That's 11 a, and 7. That's not, even a, that's not even a huge winning percentage. That's. I mean, it's good. good. It's pretty good, but. You know, like a team could go a team could go eleven and eight. Yep. Over a nineteen Nine. game span. Two. It could go eleven and no, they would eight. have to, no. They yes. would have to go. You're, they would have to. It yeah. would have to be twelve okay. and eight. It would have to be twelve and eight for a wild card team to win it. Mm-hmm. Man. But it's uh. Still tough. You know, like I mean, the the two teams. The the two teams I think that had the biggest who had the most talent left in the AL and that was the Yankees and the Indians they're both out now. The Astros are also really talented. Those three teams were super talented and only one of them could make it to the World Series. Mhm. I mean the Indians won 22 games in a row. <laughs> I mean and they lost and they lost. They lost in five. It doesn't matter. They they Blew a two to nothing lead in the NLDS. Talk about, talk about Man. rough. But, but yeah. But uh, in the ALDS. But yeah, I mean, dynasties don't happen the same way in baseball. But the Cubs just won 97 games, 103 games, and 92 games, two division championships, three LCS appearances, and one World Series title, and over a three-year span. That's about as good as it gets in baseball. It right. hardly about, gets better than that. You think about the Giants. They won three rings. Between those three postseason appearances, they never made the postseason. They never they didn't win their shit they didn't win their division. They didn't make the postseason. Every year after they won a World Series, they had a rough they had it rough. Every and year. And what they and the did Cubs, had a rough year. Everything went wrong. People got hurt. The Cubs handled injuries poorly. You know, the pitching didn't pitch very well. The hitters didn't all have great seasons. And the Cubs still won 92 games in That's the division. That's because it was still a really talented team. <laughs> Man. I mean, if you have Chris Bryant, if you have Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras, if you have Addison Russell and Javier Baez and Albert Almora, if you have Ian Happ who came up big this year, and Kyle Schwarber. If you have John Lester and Kyle Hendricks and Jake Arrieta and eventually Jose Quintana, 
then your team probably is going to be good regardless of any issues. But there were flaws. And, I mean, every team in baseball this year had flaws. I think that we should state that up front, that it didn't feel like there was, it didn't feel at least like there was any team like the Cubs were last season. There were a few more high-level teams, I think, this year than there were last season, but it didn't feel like there was any one Cubs of two, from 2016 where we could point to them and say absolutely 100% impenetrable on every physical baseball level. Even uh, the Dodgers lost, uh, what, they won one more game than the Cubs won last year? Yeah, and... Um, and that was, and the Cubs had tied a game last year. So had the Cubs won that game, they would have shared the same record the Dodgers had this year. And so you can't say the Dodgers were unequivocally better. And there, were, there was an argument to be made that the Dodgers did it with people, did it with some contributions from people they did not expect. Oh, I would definitely make that argument. The, Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor should not have been an MVP candidate. The, the thing, neither should Cody Bellinger. Yet there they are. The thing I mean, that the thing that the Cubs did last year that I think is really unique in baseball is they went in the favorite, they maintained that favorite status, and they won as the favorite. A real hard thing to do in baseball because so many little things can derail you. Yeah. I mean, what you what would you say the Indians were the favorite this year because the Dodgers existed, the Cubs existed, the Astros existed, and two of those four are in the World Series, so. I think that the Astros were my favorite to make the World Series this year. Them in Cleveland, and the Astros made it. And, uh, you know, I mean, it goes to show that there's been a million axioms. We've, we've fallen victim to that thing we'd like to do again these last few years where we've said, are, is bullpenning the way to make it to the World Series? Mm-hmm. You know, like... Uh, is fly are fly ball hitters the way to make it to the World Series? And it's like there is no one way. Right. These teams were all good. I mean, I would say pretty much across the board that uh, outside of the Rockies and the Twins, the other playoff teams were no question really good teams. The other eight were all so such superior teams and any any combination of them NL or AL could have made it mm-hmm. and yeah i mean it's like oh well is the yankees deep and impressive bullpen going to take them to the world series well i mean it looked like it could have but it didn't i mean the astro the astros built a team that struck out the least of any team in baseball, and they made it there. Maybe that is an advantage in a league that's striking out ever, more than ever before, but the Cubs struck out a bunch last season. Yep. And made it all the way to the World Series and posted over 60 F4 as a team last season, which is crazy. Yeah. So is there one way to do it? I mean, the Dodgers struck out a lot this year. The Cubs struck out a lot this year. The Nationals struck out a lot this year. The Red Sox struck out a lot this year. A lot of the best teams struck out a ton. I don't think there is any one all, way to do this. All of the best teams lost at least 58 games. Every single one of them. 58 yeah. times they went down. 
And if you order those 58 a certain way, I mean, they would have gone down in the playoffs. Like it's, it's entirely possible. I think of other sports that have a tournament base, which is essentially what the MLB playoffs is. It's a best of seven tournament. Um, you see the NBA, but the NBA is very different because the best teams are much better than the worst teams and they allow a lot more teams in. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's a longer tournament. You know the but, the difference between the Cavaliers and everyone else in the East is noticeable, right? And the Warriors in the West. I mean, it's it's very large. But I think of the NBA college or the, not the NBA, the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It's such a great comparison because how often does the number one overall seed win the tournament? It's almost never. Uh, it happens once in a once in a while, maybe once every ten years. I mean, it is. It could be anybody in the whole sixty-four team bracket, but you know, there's twenty-ish teams, maybe maybe ten teams, ten to twenty teams in a given year who could win it. That's essentially what we're dealing with here, and all you have to do to have a successful season is to make the tournament. And I feel like that's the attitude you have to have in baseball: is that you have to be excited to make the tournament. Because if you can get in the tournament, you can win it. It doesn't matter. The Cardinals won the World Series winning 83 games one year. They won 83 games. They nipped into the wild card, and, hey, they won the World yeah, Series. Yeah, they backed That's into the happens. playoffs. And, like, it happens, you know, like, Jeff Supon gets hot. You know, I mean, you know, I mean. David Eckstein. David Eckstein, who, yep. yeah, I mean, it happens. So I, I don't think that Cubs fans have anything to complain about right now. I think we can be sad. That the Cubs lost. This was a fun team. But I don't think we have anything to complain about except. And here's where I kind of want to go into a bit of a rant because. Oh, God, no. All right, fine. I'll allow you you your space. Whoa, whoa. Just a, I mean, maybe not so long, but it's some kind of a realization of hindsight. The Cubs, if you didn't know, took this loss. They have fired Chris Basio. And they have allowed Eric Hinsky to sign with the Nationals, or the Angels, rather, as the hitting coach. So Eric Hinsky upgraded to the Angels hitting coach. I mean, Bosnia you can't... was gone. You, you know, you can't, you can't begrudge a guy who's an assistant moving up into no. that bigger role, you know. But it's noticeable not. that the... And Dave, Dave Martinez may end up... He's inter, they're inter, The Nats are interested in Dave Martinez going to manage their, their team. The Cubs may be making some coaching changes this year and i think that could be pinpointed as to part of the reason that we're we saw some struggles out of both the cup but the, the pitchers the hitters I, I think the coaching can be pointed to as an issue not think, a huge issue obviously not a huge issue and i want to stress that so much because it's not a big issue and coaching does not change pitchers from you know, it is not – Jake Arrieta is is not the, the rule. He is the exception. Chris Bosio telling Jake Arrieta, throw cross arm, go cross your body, do how you feel comfortable. That wasn't Chris Bosio. That was him just giving Jake some freedom. That's I, think not that, even... I think that far more often coaching helps pitchers in ways that are smaller, that don't turn them into Cy Young candidates. I think, for instance, Trevor Bauer going from Arizona to Cleveland – the change in coaching and the change in philosophy where they allowed him to be himself made him into a legitimate mid-rotation starter, mm-hmm. uh, the one he should have been all along. I mean, I think coaching can do that, 
Yeah. But the I, Orioles never have a good the Orioles never have a good um play to good pitching rotation. Be, well, pitching well, rotation because oh. and that too, but you you notice things like that. And so when I see the Cubs and I look at guys like uh Blake Parker, Cubs couldn't unlock him. And Basio's been there since Parker was with the Cubs. Cubs couldn't unlock him. He goes to the Angels, boom, he's one of the best relief pitchers in the And also like and also, I think there's a tendency to, I want to cut in and say, like, I think there's a tendency yeah. to apply more credit or blame to major league coaches than you really can give. Because mm-hmm. I I think hitting coaches and pitching coaches, while important, probably do less for guys than minor league hitting and pitching coordinators. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, thinking about just, well, what I'm thinking about is guys who are already in the major leagues. I I don't want to start, and I and I, own, I did this in, on Twitter, and I think it got taken the wrong way by several people. I just kind of looked back, and I was like, okay, between guys, between guys who either didn't succeed with the Cubs and succeeded better elsewhere, I think of like, I mean, Clayton Richard got cut by the Cubs, and he was a serviceable number four, number five starter this year for the Padres. I think of guys who have literally regressed while on the Cubs or even been worse on the Cubs than they were on other teams, noticeably like Justin Wilson and Justin Grimm. I think Basio could, could not Basio could not keep these guys within themselves. Clearly, some of the relief pitchers, some are starters. And I think this gets to a point: is that what we've heard about him is that I think Basio is a good pitching coach, certainly, and I don't think you can overestimate or underestimate necessarily. It's hard to quantify the mm-hmm. importance of that, but I think that part of it, as people have said, was there was sort of a stubborn attitude with regards to working with some guys about doing it his way or not at all. Uh, and moreover, I think him, he put himself on the chopping block by doing things like trying to call Eric Thames out for PED use earlier in the mm-hmm. season. Like if you're gonna, I forgot do, about that. Like that, that's cl- <laughs> like that's low class. That's a low blow. Like yep, you don't, like you. I, 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 I believe we we said that was no good, and we did not support that. I, I'm yeah, pretty and, sure we said that. On and podcast. when you say things Go like ahead. that about other players, as a coach, as someone who's supposed to be representing your organization at the <laughs> highest level, you as, as, then have to perform at the highest level. You're putting yourself coach, in a corner. Sorry. As a coach who had a player accused of PEDs, Jake was accused of that. That was his player, and it, why would you go? And, and okay, he sorry. would be, and he he would be, he was upset when people said that stuff. Yeah. So why would you go and accuse another player of doing that? And of course, Thames cooled off after the first month, as we would have expected, and didn't keep that pace up all season long because he wasn't on steroids. He was just having an incredible month. And Basio, as a professional baseball coach, should know the difference. Should know the difference between PED use and an incredible month of baseball. Eric Thames was brought over from Korea to do that thing for the Brewers, hit home runs. That was the whole point. Mm-hmm. Like And walk. Yeah, to hit home runs and walk. And he did that, but he did cool off. And that's because he had a crazy month, but like... That's what I'm saying. Like, I think when you say things like that publicly, when you incur the wrath of media, when you don't even really need to, 
And when you say classless things about like that about other players, which like yeah maybe it's fun for like rivalry purposes, but like let's not do that. Let's not mm-hmm. accuse our opponents of cheating unless we really know they're cheating. Okay, as there were several scandals in baseball with lasers this year and, and other such I, things. I I watches and yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah Apple watches and all that, but. Yeah. Um, let's not accuse our opponents of cheating. And I think Basio, once he does stuff like that, then he has to back that up by being the best in his profession. If he's anything less than the best, he's then he's putting himself on the chopping block, and we have right to say, okay, well, you made these comments, and you drew attention to yourself, negative attention to the organization. You made us look bad. You made your players look bad. You made the organization look bad. Uh, so now you have to go because you, your guys didn't perform at the highest level. Uh, and it was to be expected. Regression and health issues were to be expected from the pitching staff. But I think it's fair to question his handling of things at a higher level. And, I mean, I and I just look at the things – there's very clear statistical evidence too. I mean, you see Wade Davis had his most walks in the long, in, you know, his whole career. Um, Carl Edwards again had walk issues. You know, a lot of these guys had walk issues. I even see like, we go back to guys like Chris Russon. He threw meaningful playoff innings in the wildcard game for the Rockies. Yeah. Um, like the, some of these guys, they were good players and Basio never, he could never bring them into the the ability. I mean, we just released Felix Pena because Basio couldn't harness a 96 mile an hour fastball and keep it from going right down the middle. I think I, the I think the biggest thing is when something like this happens, you see you find out a lot after a person's mm-hmm. been fired from because industry professionals who are now willing to talk to reporters because it would have been awkward to do it while the guy was employed. And the one thing we keep seeing is there was industry belief and consensus that he was stubborn. Mm -hmm. That he was a very stubborn person who wanted guys to do things the way he wanted them to do it. Which may have worked for some guys, but it may have worked very poorly for others. Mm -hmm. I just, I keep going back to even just Justin Wilson and how badly he struggled and it was just so constant. And when you're when you can't fix that over the course of half a season it is time to bring something new in and this is something that i hadn't even thought about and i didn't, i couldn't even i didn't even remember the uh the comments about Thames until you just brought it up but man how how interesting to look back because you just have this this thought theory that because Kyle Hendricks became a really good pitcher because Jake Arrieta became a really good pitcher that Chris Basio was just the best pitching coach well, in the world. See, and we look, but we look back and we see there was a lot of flaws there. Well, the, I mean, some, that's were, sort of, some were weighed more than others and some were bad and we had some successes. Yeah. John but Lester I mean, like had two great years, but how much of that was David Ross? You know? I mean, you know, like the thing is, uh, I think part of it is hindsight bias. And part yeah. of it is, like I said, like, at the time, I attributed a lot of the success of Jake Arrieta to Derek Johnson. But that's not a thing that a lot of mainstream... It's not something that your average fan is going to do. 
It's not calling the average fan a rube. I don't think <laughs> it, I don't think that it makes sense for most fans to have known who Derek Johnson was. Baseball fans are becoming better and better informed, and I think it'd be surprising to find out how many of them knew who Derek Johnson was. But I mean, I but, didn't until you told me. Yeah, he was the minor so. league pitching coordinator. Right. He was the pitching coach for the Brewers this year. We lost him to the that ex- Brewers. That explains a lot. I'll tell you that, man. They 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 stepped up. The entire For, Brewers staff stepped up. Former pitching coach. They were good. Former pitching coach at Vanderbilt, where he oversaw some of the absolute best pitching prospects to come along in the last decade or so. Then David be, Price probably. Yeah, Carson. He Fulmer. went through Vanderbilt. I don't. Carson. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And Vanderbilt, I mean, because of their pitching under his tutelage, they were they've been consistently top of the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then he moves to pitching coordinator with us, and we have a bunch of high-profile successes in rehabilitating pitchers, in changing their approach, in bringing them along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, part of that is also attributable to Basio. And I think he'll get a job elsewhere because I think he still is good at this, and I think he can jive with certain organizations. But I think there was a clear problem this year. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's the other thing, too, is that Jim Hickey, the pitching coach from the Rays, who's been released from that, his con- he technically his contract was up and they didn't renew it. Mm-hmm. He's not coming back there, which I think writing was on the wall. Friedman had left the Rays. Joe Madden had left the Rays. Uh, so two of the stalwarts of that organization in the 21st century had left for other organizations. So I think Hickey, Madden's old pitching coach, leaving was you know writing was on the wall. You know, with Dave Martinez, Joe Madden, and Friedman gone, Hickey was probably next. And uh, and I think part of the reason we chose to move on from Basio now. I think it's, you know, it's a number of factors. I think we may have done it anyways, but I think Hickey being available certainly plays into the decision. It's very, so when I heard, when I kind of finally saw, I was like, okay, Jim Hickey, I don't know anything about him. So the first thing I did was I went to the the Tampa Bay Rays just, and I went from back to like 2009, and I just looked at the pitchers, and it is a very unanimous consensus they all threw strikes and their walk rates are all very low and um, he got and he got like career performances out of a lot of guys i mean yep yeah i mean matt you think matt garza uh james shields was fantastic with the rays fell off a cliff after he left david price was a cy young with the rays not he, so good after he left he made Chris archer he has made, been really good. He was never a top tier prospect. He made Jake McGee a household name. Yep. He made Matt Moore got a huge fifty five million dollar deal because of how he pitched. And Matt Moore is now, you know, he's a bargain bin guy. Maybe we can reclaim him. You know, I, I'm seeing guys on here that I'm I've never even seen before. Jeff Neiman was really good. He didn't walk anybody. He was a serviceable four. And I mean he, where is he? Who knows? Like this is a this is a guy with a lot of successes. I mean, he turned Fernando Rodney into a really good name, you know. I mean, maybe one of his only the only names on here that I see that maybe failed was Wade Davis. <laughs> how how funny is that? Like, and part of that was because Wade Davis 
just wasn't a good starter. I was going to say, he wasn't even a bad starter. He just didn't strike anybody out, which I think just contributed to now that he's in the bullpen, his stuff has played up. He's throwing a cutter very a lot faster. But even then, he was still only walking 3.28 guys per nine. And we've I, seen the... And we've, seen, is... and we've seen the Cubs gradually add to this system guys who they really want. Mm-hmm. When when Joe Madden became available prior to 2015, we struck to go and get him. Mm-hmm. And we brought Dave Martinez along with him. When John Maley was available to be a hitting coach, we went and we got him. Now even this year, we had the fourth most runs scored and the best OBP in the NL. So, I, a, so a name a name Cubs fans will be familiar with that I think embodies the potential in Joe Jim Hickey is Kyle Farnsworth. Kyle Farnsworth pitched for the Cubs for a while, and a lot of people know about him. He's he was pretty good, struck out a lot of hitters with the Cubs. He was a consistent uh, guy. Yeah. Later on with the Rays, he pitched uh, in 2010, 2011, and 2012 with the Rays. He walked in 2011. He had 63 appearances and he walked 1.87 per nine. He never even came close to that with the Cubs. I mean, this is a this is a guy who can get wild relievers to throw strikes. I, I, I it keeps coming up. It just it, every single guy like player I turn to on this list is a guy who didn't throw strikes somewhere else. Who and I also and, and I also strikes. think there's a connection. We've heard the Cubs connected to Alex Cobb in the past. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. The Cubs are no doubt likely to be interested to stick him in the back of their rotation. Mm-hmm. Cobb has been effusive in his praise of Jim Hickey, saying that he wouldn't have been able to have the success he did after coming back from Tommy John without Jim Hickey's help. It's worth noting that Alex Cobb is really good. Um, as I he look be, at his, his he, stats, he was really good before the Tommy John. He was okay last year he'd be a really good good that's a guy who'd be a great back rotation starter for us like really high quality really high level uh and would be perfect as an addition to this team Mm -hmm. what makes me nervous about that is that he's going to command some cash i mean Um, i think the injury concerns are what are going to depress his value yes uh I think the guys who are likely to receive the most money are probably Darvish, Arietta, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb had Tommy John at almost the exact same time. So if you're talking about I, but there's injury a, concerns. But it's a big-time perception difference. Mm-hmm. Like I imagine there's going to be a big gap between what Cobb gets and what Lynn gets because of perception. I think the players. Cubs will I think the Cubs will be in on both those guys. I also don't think they're going to be willing to spend more than like 80 million on either of them. And if they sign for more than 80 million, we'll know the Cubs just put their foot in the ground and didn't overpay. Um which I think is fine. But I don't think Cobb's going to get that much. I'd be pretty if he su- doesn't the Cubs will be in. I'd be pretty surprised be I'd be pretty surprised by that. I think he's going to have to look at a little bit shorter deal with less money than that. That's probably the likelihood, and I think he makes good sense for this team. But I think that's a big thing is everyone praises Jim Hickey, and he's spoken to the Nationals and Cardinals. He's spoken to the Cardinals and Red Sox, I mean. He spoke to the Cubs today. 
Yeah, and so I have no doubt if he's the guy they want, then he's not going to go to the Cardinals. He's not going to go to the Red Sox because Theo will bring him here. Joe Matt, he'll stick Joe Madden on him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I I think if since they got Hickey into the building today, I think that he'll end up he'll end up with the Cubs, but. You never know. And who was the other name that I heard? Oh, it was a Mike Maddox. Was the other name I heard? And I, I you know, we don't even Maddox. know. We don't even know if he'll really be available. But you'd, you'd think he would be. Isn't he the Nationals pitching coach? Yeah. So I understand. Presumably, he'll he'll end up available. It, it's not necessarily true. Basio obviously didn't get fired between Joe Madden being hired. So. It's possible, but not guaranteed. Uh, it's a name they could go after. You'd think they'd want to maybe keep him around, but he might prefer to leave. I don't know. So it's the names are interesting, and I think this this is the first domino that's going to fall for the Cubs. I think they're going to hire a man or a pitching coach. They may still need to hire an assistant pitching coach, Manny Ramirez, please. Um, hitting coach? You mean an assistant hitting coach? Yes. Manny assistant. Ramirez doesn't know a whole lot about pitching. But. No, assistant hitting coach because Hinsky left. And I, for one, want Manny Ramirez. But he's still playing baseball, so he may not be into that. But we could, but, we, maybe we could entice him back. Because I know Javi Baez was, to use your word, effusive in his yeah. praise of Manny. Yeah, he was. Because Javi's best season was his double-A, tri- triple-A when he moved up and played with played with Manny in AAA, and he was really good that year. And so he said Manny Ramirez was big reason why he had a successful year. I feel like Manny is incredibly smart. For me, the 2008 has washed away uh, bad hard feelings. I know a lot of Cubs have hard feelings towards them for being very good in the NLDS in 2008, but. He was great for us the cup the year or two that he stayed in in AAA, and I feel like he'd be a great addition as a hitting coach. I think Barry Bonds is actually out there too. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd be good with Barry Bonds too. So. Uh, I think we could avoid <laughs> Bonds. Apparently, his the thing that allowed the Marlins to let him go was that his work ethic was piss poor. <laughs> so, as much as that guy might know about hitting. That's why he's the assist- he was the hitting coach, so he wasn't the assistant. Coach. Yeah, but I mean, Manny Manny put in the time with our minor league players. He put in the time. He put in the effort. Manny's definitely my number one pick there. I I hope I hope the Cubs can if he, if he would take if he would take an assistant hitting coach job, I think he'd be a great guy to pair up with Maley and the two of them together could do great work. Because mm-hmm. I think Maley I think Maley has done good work. You know, I do. And... Uh, I, I wonder, you know, it's again, it's another one of those. We haven't seen steps in, of improvement. We saw a lot of struggles last year. I can't help but wonder if the Cubs aren't, won't wonder he, about a pitch, a hitting coach. They I think what their options here. I mean, you're but, always looking and we know less than the organization itself does. Right. But like, they certainly look fine from an offensive standpoint. Like there were trouble, there was trouble in the postseason, but every team in in baseball that made the postseason had trouble hitting, except for the AL. The entire AL just dominated. No, I mean I think like it's weird. 
I think uh, <laughs> the teams as a collective were hitting lo- below league average, like way below league average as a group. So in the playoffs this year, which makes sense to me because I think the thing people forget about making it to the playoffs is you face the best pitchers on the best teams. Yep. And that's every game. Every game. Where during the regular season, like, there's a lot of days where you're going to face teams like back rotation guys or mid rotation guys. You're facing every team's best all the time. I mean, when the, I mean, I said it, I've said it to people I know. It frustrates me that, uh, the Yankees got to face Charlie Morton and Brad Peacock, and we had to face, uh, Rich Hill, Clayton Kershaw, Hugh Darvish, and Alex Wood. Right. I mean, the Dodgers <laughs> like, have done. Just, I mean, uh, let's say the Dodgers didn't even have Hugh Darvish, they'll have Junjin Ryu. If they didn't have him and say he was hurt as normal, they have Brandon McCarthy, who was good this year. Like, the Dodgers had such a deep rotation. It was. It was remarkable. I mean, they deserve to be there. You know, like I said, there's just no reason to be upset about there, it. They're, they're, they deserve they're, to be there. There's honestly no there. There's honestly no substitute for being willing to spend more money than you probably have. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. like that is the Dodgers someday may be in a debtor's prison, but but right now they are doing just fine. So. I mean. That's what will go into the World Series will do for you. I mean, I feel just fine because Cubs won the 2016 World Series. Although I'm, I'm fr- frankly, I'm, I'm rooting for the Astros. Yeah, me too. I was going to ask you who you were rooting for there, but uh, I feel like it's a fair consensus that we'll be, we'll be going for the Astros, Carlos Beltran, to get a ring, and uh, yeah, I kind of want that. And Springer, uh, Altuve. I, I mean, I love Jose Altuve. That's kind of a big part of it. Um, and I like Carlos Correa. You know, I, um, George Springer is one of my favorite non-Cub players in the MLB. He's just awesome. I don't know if you saw the uh, the All-Star game thing. I, he, did, he did an on-field interview in the All-Star game, and he had a stutter for the longest time, and he wanted to do an interview in the All-Star game, so he kind of overcame that and, and did it. It was real. I was like, man, I know people who've stuttered, and they don't like talking. So that's impressive that he was able to do that in front of a, a bunch of people. He's a he's a good guy. Also, Altuve and Verlander have a burgeoning bromance that it's hard not to root for. I, that doesn't surprise me. It's, I would I would love to be a bromance with Altuve. Yeah, Altuve. He's awesome. Justin Verlander and Jose Altuve love each other, and I and I personally am a big fan of it. Uh, it's 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 quite beautiful. Altuve is awesome. I. It's interesting because if the Dodgers win, I won't be like, oh, the Dodgers, ugh, they spend all the money. It's Kershaw finally gets a ring. It's, you know, Yu Darvish gets a ring. That's pretty cool. I feel like maybe uh, if Clayton Kershaw gets Kenley a ring. gets a ring. If Kershaw got a ring, maybe he'd stop snarling at everybody. <laughs> Kershaw's very feisty on the mound, and I love I think, it. I, I think he. I like Wig. I, I like Corey Seager. I like Bellinger. They, they have a very likable team. Except for like Adrian Gonzalez, I I'm honestly I'm honestly yeah. quite happy that Clayton Kershaw is a pitcher. One because we get to watch him, and two because it means he's not like murdering people. You know, I mean, like he <laughs> he just if you try to talk to him when he's pitching, he will straight up murder you. I mean, he like Kershaw and Scherzer might be the two craziest pitchers in the in the league. Like I, you you do not. 
during their on their start days, do not approach them. I mean, do not approach them unless you want to get your head bitten off. Like that's Come on, John Lackey. John Lackey doesn't quite he's, a, he's not quite they're not quite that bad. John Lackey still exists as the head. I mean, La- Lackey doesn't do it because <laughs> La- Lackey does it on starting days and non-starting days. I mean, that's where you're confusing <laughs> the issue. Lackey just La- Lackey just requires sacrifice, you know. Can I mention how happy I am that he's not going to be on the Cubs anymore? God, I, I mean, do not no, like no. I mean, I liked him a lot. I did not. I'll think. I'll always. I'll. Al- we'll always have 2016. You know, he was real good, and uh, <sighs> but he just. I'm just glad he's he's not going to be. He just. Anymore. He's I mean, just. He's just such a weirdo. I mean, you know, I'm glad because he had a really good 2016 and he helped big time and helping us to win the World Series, but uh, he's a weird guy who, frankly, makes me uncomfortable, and uh, I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's gone. Well, he's also a jerk, makes some offhand, rude comments. He would throw at people. He yells at umpires, gets ejected, and it was just, it was a very bad, bad face to have. I Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, we I added... I like him for a number of reasons, and but, that was among the top ones. But, you know, is... we added him for what he could do as a pitcher, and he did well, especially yeah. last season. And I think yeah. also that he wanted to go to the Cubs. You know, he's friends with John Lester, and uh, at that point, he wanted to... So I'm fine with it, but, you know... Be like... comfortable, so... But happy tra- But happy trails to him on his retirement, if that's truly what's happening. Um... Uh, I hope wherever he goes, he can have staring contests with horses and <laughs> and be fed nutritious sugar cubes, uh, as uh, he's always wanted. I hope that, that I, I hope that he can stock an entire closet full of uh, ten gallon hats. John Lackey, man. I, I'm telling you, there, I mean, I'm telling you, there's a room in his house just full of ten gallon hats. You're you're not wrong. I I will say though, gonna miss Jake Arrieta. I mean, ar- maybe not even arguably, but one of the like top five greatest Cubs pitchers of all time. Jake, legitimate. Jake like, he always, was so good. I mean, you take what he did from 2014 on, and he was extraordinary. He had four of the he had four great seasons. Including a second half in 2015, which shall n- never be matched, Maybe. probably. Maybe. Um, a Cy Young year was really great in 2014, was really great in 2016, was good again this year, even with some of the injury concerns he had. Um <sighs> I mean that was probably the you know and but he's gonna get well paid on the free agent market and it is well he's earned it he deserves it I wish him all the best whether he want you know there is still that small chance he winds up back here but if like we think he doesn't uh, happy trails and all the best to him because we don't. You know, we don't win a World Series without him. No, we do not. So, 
I, I, I type in, since it's from 1998 to 2017, Jake was the third best Cub via wins above replacement. But by FIP, fielding independent pitching, he was number one. Yeah, and I think that I think that's a better indicator because I think, uh, you know, you have to remember that war partially is about, like, how many times you're out on the mound, too. Yes, I in terms of... In terms of starters, he was number one for um, fielding independent pitching. And yeah, I the, mean the only one the only one close to him was Mark Pryor, and thus far Quintana. But Quintana's only started fourteen games. But I think you can say for the length of time that Arietta was here, uh, he's the best Cubs pitcher that I can remember in my lifetime for this length of time. I saw the 2003 Mark Pryor. That that was the last time. That was the, the time between 2003 yeah, I mean, Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood, and I remember 2003 Mark in Pryor. Yeah. Between those, I've never seen a pitcher you know that was just dominant every time out. But I mean, Jake in 2015 holds my memory because he took the Cubs to the playoffs. He took the Cubs and succeeded in the playoffs. You know, he won the wild card game. You know, he he took the Cubs and led them to a World Series. Jake just incredible yeah he had he for these last four seasons he's had so many incredible starts and he's been really a great pitcher he deserves the money that's coming his way it's gonna be it's great for him it feels like it feels just like dexter last year where we were just like i love dexter why does he have to go he's gonna have to go he's gonna get paid and it's gonna be it's gonna be good for him yeah and uh you know, I I hope that he does well, you know, mm-hmm. just like I yep. do. You know, Dex was fine this year. His biggest problem was injuries. And I hope Dex stays healthier next year because I love him. And mm-hmm. I hope that Jake can throw 32 starts next year wherever he pitches and he can be dazzling and that if we should have to face him, uh, that, you know, he doesn't carve us up too badly. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's a number of places that would be interested in services. And, uh, I would get a fair, fair shot somewhere. I think pretty much any competitive team with money, any team that presumes they're going to be competitive and has money, is going to be very interested in having Jake Arrieta around. I He's, there's going to be great competition for his service, and there should be. And it, it'll it be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, big up, big up, big Dominant so much 
Cubs. The Cubs used him late in the playoffs. He he won the NLDS for him, and he won the one NLCS game that we won. And when the Cubs didn't throw him in game two, we lost. So he was he was quite good. Um, yeah, and I think we're going to talk about him more on our next episode, which, you know, because everyone, you know, you're listening to this one, you should look out. Our next one is going to be really a look towards the off season for sure. Right. This is more of a look back, a goodbye, uh, a look back on our coaches and such, and that's kind of what we've yeah, done we, so far. Yeah, we have to say so. goodbye to the 2017 Cubs, and basically my message is thanks, Cubs. Thanks, 2017 Cubs, for another incredible year. You had a lot of heart-stopping moments. You made us... You made us overjoyed and angry and frustrated and excited and happy and and you made our hearts stop and everything in between. It was another great baseball year, so thanks to all of those guys for making it happen. What do you think? We should uh I think we should go through and say just what our favorite moment of the regular season and then well, that doesn't that isn't the postseason. So, you know, game five doesn't count. Favorite moment of the regular season in twenty seventeen to kind of send it favorite, off. Favorite favorite moment of the regular season. That's I know that's spontaneous, I, I know. I gotta I gotta think of one myself. You know, this is it's really dumb, but for me it's Leonis Martin making the leaping grab to end like the, to end the Cardinals season. We had already clinched at that point, and for several weeks, I think we had knew we knew we had were moving towards clinching. I think a lot of our concerns to that end had been allayed at that point, but there was something so special about that. It was we were playing a junk lineup. We were, as many had pointed out, that wasn't even our B group. That was our C group. Mm-hmm. Who we started that Taylor day? David, Taylor Davis and. Caratini at first and Leonis, Ian Happ at third and um, Mike Freeman. <laughs> Mike Freeman was in there. Yep. Yeah, one anyway. Uh, oh, man, that, that, you're right. That was a good moment. Uh, kind of the defining moment where you put away the Cardinals and you know because you know. like for me that was like that was the height of how much fun we were having with this team. Was we adjust we adjust clinched the division. And the Cardinals were hanging on for dear life, and we ended their season by beating them with a version of our lineup and roster that would have won maybe like 70 games this season. Uh, less than that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so <laughs> that was a bad team, and they still won a game. It was awesome. Uh, I, uh, but you're, yeah. I'm right. You're, you're right. But I think my favorite moment of this season was. The Quintana trade over uh, July, the July uh, was it over the All Star break or was it July Fourth weekend? I think it was All Star break. Yeah, round then. The Cubs trade for Jose Quintana, and it's it's the guy we talked about last off season, man. It was the guy we wanted to trade. It was the Christian Yelich of last off season, where we were like, this is the perfect guy. If only he didn't play for the White Sox, the Cubs would have a chance. Well, the Cubs make the trade. They give up Elo Jimenez, and Quintana comes out on that Sunday. The Cubs win like seven to nothing, and Quintana throws twelve, seven innings, twelve, twelve strikeouts. I mean, he's just dominant. And 
that for me was just the picture of the season where it was very bright. Later on, Quintana ran in, you know, Quintana ran in some struggles, but he also rebounded. He was very, very good over the course of the rest of the season. Uh, and he had a very good playoffs until that last game where he just got lit up, you know, and that's, it is what it is. But, you know, he was, he was awesome. I'm thrilled that we have him on the team now and, and we have him going forward. Yeah. The cub, the cubs Twitter account broke the, broke the trade. Like that was what broke it. it was the Cubs and the White Sox Twitter accounts broke the trade and and from that moment right there it felt like no the don't, energy... don't 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 ever forget about what but oh yeah you got it the the two Reddit users oh that, my uh, god yeah no the, the greatest great. the greatest thing to happen in baseball all season long ah the sarcasm drips but ah, yeah. <laughs> But the energy that Quintana brought, and it just, it was for me as a fan, that was so much fun to get a guy like that on the team. And he was electric his first start, and it was just a culmination. I think we swept the Orioles too that weekend. I mean, it was just awesome. And that was kind of what sparked the run that went to the NL Central champion, you know, division championship. That's, that's awesome. And that's kind of how I want to remember 2017, the year we got Jose Quintana. You know, 2018 World Series MVP. You know, that's that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Right. So, yeah. 20, 2018 Cy Young, something like that. So, maybe. You know, he's got it the is, talent. It is what it is. I think it's nice to to send it off. We also got to. I we, I think we at least got to mention a, a nice goodbye for uh, John Jay, Brian Dunsing, maybe, um, Leonis Martin, who made you know your moment. Uh, he may be gone. There's just a bunch Ren- of guys. Renee Rivera, Alex Avila. You know, guys who who really – I'm I, a lot of those guys, I'd be down to bring them back. Uh, maybe all except for John Jay, honestly. I Jay was good, but I think Joe liked him a little too much and for what he was. Yeah, and like – Kind of stunted Almora's growth. And, <clears throat> well, I, I think that – That's not bringing him back, but – He served us well this season – played the role we needed him to play and did it really well. Um, unfortunately, I do see a future upcoming for him where we just don't need him as badly. I think that, but especially we'll, if we make it, if we make a trade for an outfielder, which I kind of think is the way they're going to try to go about this from Theo's comments. I think they're going to try to go get an outfielder, but we'll talk about the next podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk about the off season coming up real soon. Mm-hmm. So next week sometime probably. I mean, once the World Series ends, for sure. Yeah. World Series starts so. tomorrow night. Uh, Cubs aren't in it, but, hey, it's still baseball, so everyone try to enjoy it. Enjoy baseball while it lasts. Enjoy it while we have it. And then we'll have off-season rumors and free agency and the Rule 5 draft and the winter meetings, and it's just some of my favorite t- some of my favorite parts of being a baseball fan is the speculation of the off season. I yeah, love it yeah, so it's much. It's going to be great. Even, it's going to be great. It's not baseball, but it's close. And that's and that's why I love it. It's it's just fun being yeah. able to think about the 2018 season and get excited about it, especially when the Cubs have such a good team going in and they're going to have more guys who can they're going to add players to it and it's oh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, even absolutely. though we just lost, you know, I'm excited for next year. Yeah, it's it's an important time of year and there's always going to be another year, and baseball will be back 
next season, and I, yeah, I can't wait to really dig into what comes next. Me too. This has been fun. It's always fun. Yep. All right. I'll see you around. And yep. Follow us on Twitter uh, at dus 9 cubs at DG Bloomberg. Uh, we're and at Sing Cubby Blues. We'll always interact, talk about stuff. We're always talking about the Cubs. It's fun. Yeah, we're happy to discuss baseball with you, you know, or, you know, anything else. Uh, we're most astute with baseball, I think, but, uh, you know. But, hey, yep. come, come, I'm excited. come find us on Twitter. Yeah. So, signing off. Well, see you soon. Thanks for listening. See ya. Sing Those Cubby Blues is co-hosted by David Bloomberg and David Westgreen, produced and edited by David Bloomberg, with logo provided by Randall J. Sanders, who can be found at Randall J. Sanders on Twitter. To find more information about the podcast, go to at Sing Cubby Blues on Twitter or visit one of us at DG Bloomberg or at dwest 9 cubs on Twitter, where you can engage with us and talk about us and maybe even give us ideas for future episodes. Once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll return for the next episode, which we hope to have up soon. Keep following the Cubs, keep cheering them on, and you'll be hearing from us again in the future. Thanks.